Everyman Podcast. Abama. Abama Paka. Abama. That is how they say it in the deep, dark jungles of the Amazon. That's it, man. Abama. Because I've uh, I have reason to believe that we are uh, being listened to by some sort of isolated uh, tribes in South America. So <laughs> go out on a limb here and say that uh, we're probably even being listened to by um, patrons of Atlantis. <laughs> they probably they probably want to know what's going on up here too, bro. It, it seems like throughout space and time, the everyman is is being heard. Um, <laughs> We're here, another week, another pod, a beautiful day, a beautiful morning. Daryl Campbell, how are you, bro? Dude, I'm uh, I'm doing good, man, just as always, every manning it up, uh, doing what I do, working hard, getting good grades, and my teacher's so bright, uh, I gotta wear shades, man. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I'd call it stunning. Yeah. Stunning. Daryl Campbell doesn't quite roll off the tongue like Stunning no, Steve not, Austin. It, maybe it's my first name that kind of fucks it up, but that's all right. We're cool. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll work on that one. Oh, it can't all be hits. Um, yeah, so uh, we had a great couple weeks here. We're on a we're on a bit of a run. Yep, we've had some really sick guests. You know, Matt Grebel, Mike Gowan. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this guy Andy McKee. Yeah, that was pretty sick. I say. Yeah, the Andy McKee episode was was really cool, and I know I know a lot of people uh, checked us out for the first time, and hopefully you guys are are uh, still around for this one because I think you'll like this one too. So yep. thanks for coming back. And uh, interesting, um, we had a bit of an interesting revelation over uh, late last week during the week, didn't we, Daryl? We did. So we um, we found out that. Uh, the podcast has been charting in the education category mm-hmm. and um, which is really cool. And a lot of people have been checking it out and yeah. uh, it's, it's really good because we want to, the whole idea is to get these good positive ideas and, and positive lessons from people that not only you and I look up to, but we know other people look up to as well. Yeah. And, yep. and, and strengthen that, that every man journey. Um, so we want to thank everybody for obviously for, for listening for being a part of this journey with us in the cosmic canoe, um, as we as we identify these every men and soon to be every women, mm-hmm. um, you know everybody that is out there uh, leading by example. And we've had some some awesome guests, and it's going to keep going. And I know some some weeks you'll probably see it, the name pop up there, and you're like, "How did? That's pretty sick. How'd that happen?" Well, <laughs> right. listen, you're going to see some stuff coming that's going to blow your minds. Yeah, your whole mind. The whole mind. You won't have a mind left. It'll, it'll be, it's just going to be gone. It'll be blown. Mm-hmm. Um, so I apologize for any blown minds and any messages. I don't. <laughs> Daryl, on the other hand. I do not apologize for your mind being blown. That's what's supposed to happen. Yeah, he doesn't apologize for anything. So Sorry. deal with it. That's all <laughs> we got to say. Uh, but no, for real, thank you, for everybody, for checking us out. And, and if you've been enjoying the show and you haven't had a chance yet, leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening to. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, YouTube. Even if you see it on Twitter, uh, you know, some some really great, great partners. Uh, Ernie Ball Music Man has been helping us out. They sponsor the show with uh, with with the, with the business and the band. And uh, we thank them for helping get the word out about that as well. And, and uh, so that brings me to um, to this week's interview. 
So Daryl has been holding it down, doing the hard knocks. Anything mm-hmm. uh, anything you can say in broad strokes about what people are going to see this year? Uh, you know what? I'd, I really can't. I'm, I'm going to have to chime in on it after uh, you know our, our, our debut show uh, just because I don't want to cross-pollinate the airwaves no, there. can't do uh, that. Can't yeah, can't uh, can't can't throw anything out, but um, just you know, as as we always do here at NFL Films, we uh, we make unbelievable content, and um, you know, John Gruden was my former head coach in '07 with uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, you know, you can only imagine what Chucky's going to be up to um, on this year's Hard Knocks with the Oakland Raiders. So, just stay tuned; it'll be awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to see what that psycho's been up to. Yep, he's a madman. Yeah, he is. Um, yeah, I mean, speaking for myself here, I can only assume it's going to be of the highest quality and super dramatic and uh, really brings life to sports in a new way. So I'm, I know I'm looking forward to it. Um, but needless to say, that has made it so the last couple interviews uh, that we had planned, Daryl wasn't able to join me upon my Everyman Cosmic Journey. Mm-hmm. So uh, this weekend, I went to a lovely town in Pennsylvania called Reading. Very, uh, it's a quaint little town. They've got this sick ass pagoda up on the mountain there. Pagoda. Uh, yeah, you know what? You know, you think in the mountains of Pennsylvania, the first thing I think of is, uh, you know, Asian style pagodas. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You should, you should Google it. You know, Reading Pagoda. Um, that was neat to see. The venue re- uh, reverb was really cool. I want to thank all of the uh, the staff there that. It was so cool and helped me out, uh, you know, throughout the day, moving things around and kind of just doing my everyman thing. When I get somewhere, I end up just kind of taking the joint over, even if it's not my uh, thing. It's somebody else's. Yeah. So we were there to see Between the Buried and Me. Shout out to uh, the great Momo who helped helped out with this pod. And he uh, he did a great job taking care of the sound and making sure that was all together. And this was a, this was a first because, as you know, bro, we had uh, it was myself and two guests live. Mm-hmm. And usually we do one-on-ones, um, but we had the opportunity to try something new. And like I'm always saying, if you have the opportunity to try something new, even if it's difficult, even if it's out of your way, ready yeah. in Pennsylvania. Got to do it. Got to do Pag- it. Pagoda. You got to go to the pagode. Go to the goad. <laughs> got to go to the goad, bro. That's, that's what they say up in Reading. I got a good authority. That um, would have been the most awesome opportunity to go rogue. Go rogue at the goad. <laughs> to go rogue at the goad. <laughs> That's the only way you can get to the goad. <laughs> nice. Yeah, man. It was uh, it was a beautiful time. So obviously, anytime I see between the buried and me's coming around, um, you know, full disclosure, these guys are, are good friends of mine. Um, so you know, my interview might be a little soft. I'm not gonna be beating these guys up. That's not what we're here to do anyway. Um, but uh, they are they're really good uh, good guys. Dusty Waring and Blake Richardson. And um, Between the Buried and Me is a Grammy-nominated uh, group. They were nominated uh, this year for the Best Metal Performance with Condemned to the Gallows. Yeah, I mean, it's an honor. I, I saw them, similarly how I watched you at the end of the Super Bowl in historic fashion. Nice. Looking glorious, as you were. <laughs> glorious. And I go, wow, there's Daryl. Yeah. Similar experience, watching you know the Grammys on the red carpet on E! And there's your boy Sway. And next thing you know, you know, I see my, my buddies in BT Bam kind of, you know, walking in the background looking uh, looking all dapper in their tuxedos. So mm-hmm. 
got to talk to them about what it's like to be nominated for a Grammy, which everybody knows, you know, even if you're a musician, if you're not, it's the highest honor in the professional music world being, being mm-hmm. nominated. And, you know, unfortunately I didn't win this time, but I'm very confident that they're going to be back in that opportunity in the future. For sure. We got to talk about life on the road and kind of a little bit about their lives and what they're into. You know, Dusty's the, the uncle of my dog, Rhodes. You know, <laughs> nice. That's legit. He he helped. Me. He's responsible for for us getting Rhodes, and um, he was Rhodes is uh, like godfather for a month there when he was born. So until we got him, and uh, there's just all these really great connections. And and you know, again, I, I thanked him at the end of the, the interview, but uh, I want to thank you know Blake Richardson and Dusty Waring for for spending the afternoon with us and giving us uh, so much of their time because. I know, you know, when they're on the road, they've been on the road for a while. They miss their, you know, they miss their families and they could, they could have been spending that time, you know, FaceTiming with, with them or, you know, working out or, or the things that they put off for, for this interview. So uh, I hope you enjoy it. And I hope that you can uh, maybe appreciate a little bit what a touring musician goes through and, uh, you know, the ups and downs of that. And, you know, Daryl, I know you can relate to uh, you. You're living that hard every man life right now. <laughs> without question man without question yes indeed outbound inbound all bound all around bound down yeah, all around down, bound, bound round town yeah man man we are killing it with the uh with the rhymes today yeah we are we're, we're on fire bro yeah definitely, we're on fire definitely on fire so um i think without further uh, ado i think it's time to kick it to our interview with uh with dusty Waring and blake richardson of between the Buried and Me. BT Bear. Today, we have a very special edition of the Everyman Podcast. It's a live sit-down interview uh, from an undisclosed top-secret location. And uh, joining me on my guest today are some wonderfully talented musicians, Grammy-nominated progressive metal icons, guitarist Dusty Waring, and drummer Blake Richardson of Between the Buried and Me. BT Band is one of the most popular and critically acclaimed metal bands in the world today, and now they are here for the everyman. Ladies and gentlemen, my good brothers, the incredible Dusty Waring and Blake Richardson. What's happening? How you guys doing? I'm good, man. You doing okay? I'm doing great. I'm a little sweaty. It's a little hot. It's we're in a heat wave. Well, the good thing is there's three AC units. (laughs) Yeah. Within ten feet. So it should get cool in here soon. Working it and, half and they're all blowing at us. It's yeah. perfect. So uh, as I was saying, we're here in uh, Reading, Pennsylvania, at the Reverb Nightclub, in the uh, beautiful uh, lounge green room area. Here, we just hit uh, the Pike Cafe for some world famous chicken wings. Uh, Hans gave us that tip, right? Yeah, Hans is the Hans Slosser. He is. A uh, very good friend of ours, and we've toured together for a long time. He's from here, and for years, he would always tell me and Blake that the Pike had the best wings in, in the world. And we're like, really? Redding, Pennsylvania? I mean, I best. myself, when you told me, I was like, oh. But they're fucked up good, man. They were great. It's, yeah, to <laughs> me, the best wings I've ever had. I think we just put down like a solid three dozen between the table. I ate at least twenty. I could have done another dozen, probably. Oh, yeah. they're small. Yeah, they're not. They're yeah, small yeah, yeah, yeah. Wings. They're, they're, they're tasty, small. but they're not. They got a good. And they coating. had a great. They had a great variety of flavors. Yeah. Yeah, but the thing that the thing about wings, it's all about making them crispy. 
Yeah, I don't like I don't like when they're like slop. Yeah, I definitely get them cooked crispy. That's the way to that's, do it. I think that's if, the, the science. If you can, you got to ask for them extra crispy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the one thing I liked also about their wings there is they had equal amounts of dry rub flavors and sauce flavors. Sometimes it's one or the other. I like uh, being able to mix it up. Yeah. Yeah, special thanks to our waitress over there. Yeah, she was a real she bastard. Was, yeah. <laughs> she was a real darling. But, uh, yeah, Pike Cafe and, uh, of course, uh, Momo's here today assisting us again on a live podcast. Momo! And uh, we have the lovely and talented Samantha sitting in uh, enjoying the podcast yeah. as well. So, gentlemen, you guys are on the road. This is your second to last stop on the tour. Uh-huh. How's, uh, how's your summer been? What's going on? Uh, exhausting. <laughs> We're like... We're, we have, what, two more shows left in this one? On this yeah, tour, tonight I think? and tomorrow, and then we go go home. It's been good, man. We did, we, we kind of did this run just because we had three festivals booked, and so we wanted to kind of do like a mini tour to like kind of do some in-between shows, and so that gave us an opportunity to do some stuff in the Northeast and do some Canada dates and uh, some, some random Midwest shows, which actually turned out to be pretty good. But um, yeah, it was fun. The cool thing about this time of year with the festivals is that you get uh, you guys get to play on shows with bands that you wouldn't normally play with. I know last summer you guys, I guess it was the summer you were playing some shows. Or Tears for Fears was on. That was that was several years ago. That was just Bonnaroo. Oh, okay. Which is my personal favorite festival of anywhere. I've yeah. I've been there as a fan a couple times. It's a great it's yeah. a great experience. It was, Good it was vibe. Crazy. I saw Opeth there. Yeah, yeah and awesome. what's weird about Bonnaroo is like that's. Like, it's one of the few kind of festivals like that where it makes sense that Opeth would play that. Even yeah. though on paper it doesn't look like it, right. but it works, man. It's weird. Did you guys see any bands on the, on this festival run that were uh, that were kind of caught your eye? Anything interesting? I think it's, I mean, to me personally, to see how big some of these fucking bands are is really, it's cool it's, to me. It's like inspiring they're playing like metal you know it's like yeah. heavy stuff and they're able to perform on essentially the biggest level like the highest level you know yeah. uh, always when i see stuff like that just to see like pyro up close and stuff is always kind of cool to me you know well gojira is kind of getting to be uh, up at that level now i see that they've got like 50 foot pyro going at all their shows and i think it's awesome man yeah. i think you know go for it yeah, it's really it's really great to see metal kind of have that have that uh, moment in the sun. So obviously, as I, as I alluded here, you guys have been around for for a number of years, and uh, you've got a rabid fan base that you guys are uh, are blessed with, and you've had some of your real career uh, high highs this year in 2019 as far as like a critical reception. Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your experience being nominated for a Grammy right off the bat. And uh, uh, you guys were nominated for Condemned to the Gallows for Best Metal Performance in 2019. You guys went to the Grammys. I saw you all in your your beautiful tuxes uh, looking super dapper. So what was that like finding out you were nominated, getting that all together? What was it like being there in the crowd? I know you did the red carpet. Just tell me about tell me about that experience. It was fun, man. It was it was a very unique experience. And we and honestly, we debated even going uh, to the actual ceremony because it was like in the middle, it was like smack dab, not in the middle, but like at the beginning of a tour that we were doing. 
So we were like, oh, man, we're going to have to, like, move some dates around in order to do that. But the, at the end of the day, we are just kind of like, fuck it, man. We're never – this is like a once-in-a-lifetime sort of deal. So we were like, we got to go. Um, so, yeah, man, we uh, we did one show on that tour and then all flew. We basically played the show in Athens, Georgia, drove up to Charlotte, flew out of Charlotte to L.A., spent the night, did the Grammy thing, and then flew out early the next morning. So it was kind of like a, a whirlwind. whirlwind. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But it was cool, man. Like, it was kind of hilarious. The The red carpet thing is is so bizarre. It's it's way smaller than you think. It Like, you see it in your head, like the way you envision it. And it's super awkward because they'll have, like, stations set up. Um, so, like, they'll be – and they're all, like, boxed in together. So there's, like – you just go down this line, and there's, like, the Ellen DeGeneres show, and then there's, like, ABC, NBC, blah, 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 blah. And it's super awkward because, like, you'll basically – our publicist would walk with us and ask any of the people if they, like, wanted to talk to us, and they were all just politely, like – no, we don't care. <laughs> uh, so Which, Jim, Jimmy Kimmel didn't need to talk to uh, yeah, yeah. the BT band boys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's, a, there's something weird about that. And I, and I remember um, I saw you guys, I guess, last time I saw you was in February, right before Valentine's Day. So it was right after that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I remember seeing a clip that you guys got caught up in the background on like the E show. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, the E red carpet. Yeah, it's like, it's like, it's like Sway, you know, talking with, yeah. uh, it's your boy Sway. Yeah. It's your boy Sway. <laughs> your boy Sway with, uh, you know, the guy from, uh, three, six mafia or whatever, yeah. you know? And, and then, and then I see, uh, you guys and Dan Briggs kind of popping in the back there, just yeah. like hanging out. It was, it was fun. Just wandering it's, around lost. Yeah. You get to see some, uh, yeah, you get to see some legit celebs. You're just, you're what was just, that like? I mean, it's it's just funny. Like it's like um, you're just chilling, and then all of a sudden, Ricky Martin comes walking by, and you're like, oh damn, look at that guy! Now that's a that's a fucking legend right there. I know, dude. Being in it's the awesome. in the presence, I should have worked him. And then, dude, oh yeah, yeah you should have we just were, followed him all night. See yeah, what he does. And then when we sat down, uh, freaking Heidi Klum was just walked up. She was like walking up the aisle. I don't know to go to the bathroom or something like that. But wow. Just by herself, just kind of no really? one bothering her. Yeah, I was like, dude, I expect someone like that to have a whole like posse with them. And wow. I was like, she was just chilling. So when, we were, when we when we all met in the lobby of uh, a hotel that was kind of across across the road or whatever, uh, Allison Chains was just hanging out. I wanted to go and handshake Jerry and tell him I liked his top hat, but. I bitched out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, those guys have uh, they have some incredible style, and everybody there that I saw like on the on that uh, red carpet is all done up, and it must have been it must have been weird. Cause, yeah, because I mean I know you know I've known you guys for a number of years now, and I've I've been to your hometown, and I've seen where you guys are kind of you know where you're from and everything, and you're you're as real a dude as it gets, uh, both of you. So I gotta imagine you never thought that you'd end up in a place like that at the Grammys, and you're nominated for one. Nah, hell no. No way. Not as yeah, not as a Never not as a kid, but you know. Never would have thought that. As time has gone on through our career, we've hoped we would, you know. So it was uh being nominated and, and being able to go was pretty fucking crazy. Everybody was everybody was pretty pretty smiley that day, you know? I could tell. Yeah, everybody was um, really happy. It was just like it was cool to after all this time to to just kind of get a big pat on the back like that, you know, and um, it was also cool to see 
uh, a lot of those artists perform, you know. Obviously, Casey Musgraves was awesome. Um, her, the artist, her was fucking crazy. It was a really, really, really good performance. Um, Brandy Carlisle, uh, I thought Post Malone did a good job. Um, yeah, he was good. Ironically, the weirdest act out of all of it was uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Really? Yeah, that was the only one, and I think that's like, I don't know, man. Like that—that's what me and me and Kristen were talking about. My wife, she was she was like, yeah, out of all those acts, like the actual band was the one that kind of didn't really work because it was all like mainstream sort of pop, poppy sort of stuff. Which is, I'm not dogging on or anything, but it was just we like. It, then when a band went up there and played, yeah. it was like sounded horrible. I think they chose weird. a yeah. I think they chose a really bizarre song. Yeah, because yeah. like Post Malone, like he played with them and like he was kind of doing like a little medley of his stuff and went right on stage and the whole dynamic just dropped yeah, to this weird. super boring song. <laughs> yeah. I really like if they would have went into like a. You know, like a Chili Peppers hit, yeah, and played together. That that would have been fucking awesome. People would have went crazy, I think. But they just the dynamic was like boom, 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 and they come in and it's like California, (laughs) yeah, something about California. One of those fourteen songs about (laughs) California. California, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Then just actually walked past us. He he walked up the alley. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Like the what what do you call that? The aisle to to go out. I guess you had to. Or something, but that that whole thing I think is very interesting because it's like there's there's clearly like um, uh, multiple layers of the music industry where you can have you can be successful in your own kind of vertical category, but then when you when you start comparing everybody all in one big pool and you kind of experience this at Nam as well, which is like you've got the top metal guys mixed in with the top country guys mixed in with the top whatever top 40 hits are and you really see like the different like level of not only the production but how much money is behind certain acts or how many like you said the posses like this person has a you know a publicity publicity person and a Mm. social media and a chef it's pretty weird it is it it almost feels a little like uh, a little i don't know obviously i wasn't there but i would think it's like Makes you wonder where your place is in in the whole I system. I mean, we're we're definitely like we were definitely out of our element there because we're like we're a, we're still to extend like a DIY sort of band. So it's like we never and we've all always been sort of small scale. So it's we can't really I can't really compare us to anyone that's on on that level. It's pretty nuts. Yeah. Do Do you think that 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 helps you guys when you, you know, d- does it help the, cause obviously that audience isn't really listen looking for progressive metal, but no. do, do you think it helps you guys from like a credibility standpoint with like mainstream audience? Then when you can throw that little tag there, like now, like I said, like, you know, Grammy nominated, I don't know. Or do you guys not think about it like that? I, yeah. I don't, I don't know, man. I mean, I, th- I think, I think in some way, even if it's down the road, I feel like it's in some way it it's just like some cred that could could benefit the band. You right. know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I feel like it's it's definitely like a monumental thing in a band's career to even get, uh, you know, f- just to be considered for such an honor. You know, so I feel like they're definitely 
even just having the sticker on your CD, if they even sell those anymore in stores. But yeah, like a little gray. They even seal. have those anymore. But they do. We just had uh, you know, in your records in record stores, like you know, if it has a sticker on it, Grammy nominated dickheads. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, like they always put those mixtapes out of like the Grammy nominated uh, songs of the year. I was wondering, I was hoping you guys would get on there. Well, like a like, now, like a now. Yeah, it's like now Grammys 2018. It'd be like, you uh, guys, Post Malone. I think we made the Spotify playlist. We made the Did Spotify you? like Grammy nominated, which was uh, honestly in today's time, I guess that's equally as. That's cool. today's mixtape. Yeah. Today's it really now. Is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw, you know, like. Uh, Paul was interviewed by Billboard. It was like meet the first time Grammy nominees. Like I mean, yeah. it was really cool seeing for me. Like, like I said, I mean the the, the first time I saw uh, Between the Barry to me was 2006. I was in high school. It was at the basement of the First Unitarian Church in Philadelphia, and uh, as before, I knew you guys on a personal level. And Blake was, I'll never forget. I was waiting in line, and Blake was going into the. Uh, this was this was a headband era. Ooh, God, yeah. yeah. Was this that when I was trying to grow my hair out? This was right before that. You were you were like young athlete. You were kind of like the the I one. I was kind of a bro. You were like the bro boy yeah, of I'm the band. I'm still kind of bro, but yeah, you I were kind of like, like the sex appeal of the group. I think is what you're trying I to go for. Full on bro. Yeah, you you were doing the headband and yeah, uh, yeah it was in that that sweet little base. There was with horse the band and I think uh, something the giant sleeping the giant or something. Like that. It was like 2006, 2007. That would have been uh, if it was horse the band. This might have been colors. Yeah, it the was first probably, colors tour. That would have been 2007. Yeah. But we did tour with Horse the Band with Dillinger and Hella. It wasn't yeah. that one. It wasn't that we one. We did play the church on that tour. Which was awesome. So if it was if it wasn't that, it would have been They're not really doing shows animosity. there anymore. I w- I would assume not. Yeah. Like the end maybe. Cuz it was always a bitch to load gear down that narrow ass staircase like it was it was sucked. Well, the shows were awesome. The shows though. were always just God, they insane. Were so good. Yeah, but it's it's been really funny. Like you know, Daryl and I, uh, obviously my partner on the Everyman podcast, couldn't be here today for this interview. He's he's uh, holding it down on the uh, the Hard Knock show. Um, he's he's the senior producer on that this year. So they've got oh, him. They got him locked up at NFL Films Castle over there. I like so. that show. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. well, make sure you like it a lot this year, man. Uh, dude, I'm I'm all about it. I need to watch. Uh, I need to catch up on the last Who's one. Who's the team this year? Have they Oakland. announced? Oakland oh yeah, is. that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Oh, yeah, that's yeah so cool. because the uh, Oakland is, um, they're on the West Coast. They they send footage back like every day, so it's like you gotta there's, love there's Gruden, a delay. Man. Yeah, he's a fucking psycho. Yeah, big big fan of, of Gruden, and uh, I hope they I hope they deal with Antonio Brown as well as they can, uh, as my my Steeler is no longer. Um, but yeah, so Daryl and I kind of talk about this a lot, which is like the cosmic canoe. This idea of, you know, kind of going down a shared journey and. Um, you know, when I when I was a kid and I and I saw you guys at that show, I never would have suspected myself. You know how our lives would you know get intertwined the ways that they have. And um, one of the ways uh, that we're kind of all in the cosmic canoe here together is uh, our work with uh, Jamie King. And I and I include myself in that. It's hilarious uh, in your category. But um, I had the opportunity to record a record with my band uh, at the Basement Recording Studio. And I know you guys, obviously, we had Jamie King on a past episode, and we talked a lot about kind of how you guys ended up just finding a groove together. And I wanted to get both of your perspective on what it's meant to work with a guy like Jamie kind of for the length of your career to this point. And, uh, you know, Blake, as a drummer, not a lot of people realize that Jamie's like a monster drummer on mm-hmm. his own. Like yeah, he's, he is. He's like... 
he could be in any like if he wanted to be that he would be that he could do that yeah full time that could be his gig and he's like i and you know you had told me before i got down there and then like he was playing on my drums and i was just like oh shit you know yeah like (laughs) it's weird yeah he's 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 like super talented think of it that way but yeah he's you don't realize till you record with him he's like oh and he can play guitar too he he can Dude, he Crazy. he did so many things in the middle of that recording session with us that where he would like hear through all of, you know, the downtuned guitars and all the distortion. He'd be like, up, oh, it's uh, he pulls out his metronome and his tuner and his everything. And he's like, oh, it's two grades off here. And, yeah, you know, like he, he's just he's super talented. And and I know because I've had the opportunity to work with him, how much that helped me as a drummer and me as like a, as a band leader. What's that meant for you guys as a band, for you guys as, as musicians? And, and Blake, I'll start with you, man. So, like, having that drummer, that drummer's perspective in the studio with you, how has that kind of helped shape the BT band drum sound and, and you as a drummer where you are now versus where you started? Yeah, well, he's got, like, a really great ear for tuning, too, like, which I never really had a good ear for tuning drums. So he's always kind of had that, like, studio producer's ear when it comes to that stuff but as far as like formulating and formulating drum parts tracking and recording he's just all about efficiency and being having the most like relaxed chill studio vibe absolutely like that's what's awesome about him so i think that's like we go into it because like, recording used to be this thing where it'd just be this total nerve wracking experience oh, yeah. for, for years and years and years for like tons of bands. And it's awesome because we look, we look at it as kind of like a fun experience because <clears throat> recording with him is, it's a good time. Like he's just super chill. We kind of just take things part by part. We don't like, again, we're all about just making it as efficient as possible. So we don't try to overthink parts and then, um, What's great about doing drums is I'm usually the one I I do mine first, so my job's done, and then the rest of the guys can stress out about whatever they want to do. Or you're but sitting there with your cheer wine. Yeah, 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 I'm just chilling, man. But I mean, it's never really a stressful situation. Like it's just it was super comfortable for me, you yeah. Know, and, and especially like you know it was my first time doing something at that scale, and you know it was uh, he made it incredibly, you know, welcoming. And what, what you're saying about the nerve-wracking, it's funny, my, my father's a musician, and he was telling me a story about how the, the first time they made a record uh, in the mid-'70s, they spent $2,000 just on tape. God, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, tape's super expensive. Yeah. Like, and you got to think, like, th- he said it was almost a van full of just tape that they loaded into the studio. So, like, you've got all that tape, and then you're like, well, that's all we have. If you make too many mistakes, like you, you can't spend, you know, three months in the studio yeah. on tape. Like it was, like you said, it was nerve wracking. Like everybody had to nail their part the first time, and now you, we have this luxury of just. I mean, even the way that we're recording this podcast now is is like, yeah, it's just super simple, super straightforward. Um, and Jamie makes that a, a great experience. Dusty, how does that? How, how is working with him over the length of your career kind of shaped you as like a player and as somebody? Like when when you're th- as a musician in the studio because I know you also do some other work as well. Well, I mean, I, I, first time I recorded with Jamie, I was fourteen. Wow. Um. My very first band, and uh, let's see, then me and Blake recorded a a demo, and then we did the first glass casket, and then came between the bear to me and. 
I've recorded with him so many times, starting as a legit child that he kind of taught me how to EQ an amp properly, taught me how to to play guitar properly, like, you know, taught me to turn turn my gain down, my meds up, and just play cleaner, harder with my right hand, which has turned into, like, my thing. Yeah. And um, he also has been very... He's a great guitar player, too. Um, and he grew up playing with a really good guitar player. So he just kind of, without even really trying to he's he's taught me and Paul how to write a solo you know like when you record with him maybe maybe you're just kind of improv and some stuff and then uh he's like I like what you did on this take in the beginning and I like what you did on this one in the end so eventually you end up at, at this point you know when I'm writing anything for for our albums i just like know what i'm doing and right. i know where to go and how to how to go about recording anything you know what i'm saying even when i'm at my house i i do it the way that i've seen jamie do it yeah he's 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 i would say he's like a member of the band at this point he he certainly i mean we we spent 2 weeks with him and uh, and I know you both guys, both of you guys popped in for a little bit of that, that session. And it was the same way with us, like what you're talking about with the solo, where we had an idea. We had an idea on how we wanted to get a solo idea across. And I even had a drum part that I wanted to say. And I said to him, I said, this is like the big emotional ending point of the record. How can we make this that like that? And he was able to really help guide it. And it wasn't like he was taking me by the hand and saying okay now hit your china hit your splash splash china you know it was like well why don't you i think you can do better like he he seems to really know how to get the most out of you have you guys ever like had that experience where he got yeah. something out of you that you didn't think you had yeah yeah he's good about that like I, I mean for the most part i have stuff pretty uh pretty laid out how I want it to be before I even go into the studio. But there'll be a few parts here and there that I'll want to sort of ask for his guidance on. Um, but he's it's awesome because he's just got creative, such good creative content, and he's such a good um, – he's just a good influence as, as far as stuff go, like that goes, as far as um, think of things off the cuff and organizing brand-new drum parts and things like that. Yeah. He he's uh, he also you know he's got a couple of great little little signature Jamieisms where he'd be like yeah you can just do that or whatever man you know like yeah. you can, you know you could do it like this or you just do it like that or whatever man you know yeah, just do that or whatever yeah, but, yeah the, or whatever it's like yeah, well, that's his thing yeah <laughs> take, take, that opens up a whole whole can of worms there man yeah, yeah I, I'm really uh, I really appreciate uh, having the opportunity to um to work with him and something else another uh, cosmic connection here um is uh, is our dogs so. Um, Blake, we're going to get to your model pooch in a yeah, second. She's whoo. She's a big deal she's down there. She's a big there. deal. She's and a big deal. She's award-winning. Famous dog, dude. Yeah, we got a couple of famous dogs here. So, um, Dusty, you are not only responsible for uh, me getting to work with Jamie, but uh, you were responsible in a, in a roundabout way for how I met Samantha, and uh, you also coordinated our beautiful dog roads 
our sweet pit bull. The little pig man. The little pig man. So you are actually my dog's uncle. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Uncle Dust. Uncle Dusty. So I wanted to talk about pit bulls and just dogs in general. Isn't it funny that I have more of a dog name than your dog has? That it, you know, I right. never thought about that because we named him. <laughs> I wanted to. My name dad's him. like, "Hey, we're either having a Pomeranian or a kid. Let's give him the same name." <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I wanted to name him after a wrestler, and um, you know, Rhodes was the one that was the only one that got through the the uh, approval rating system. So that's how we ended up with that. Um, like Sting. <laughs> she didn't. No. She didn't like Sting or Brushwacker or Brush. <laughs> yeah, mankind. She didn't like any of that stuff. It was um, the guy that was always like, <laughs> the little fat guy in the suit. Wasn't he the Undertaker? Uh, that's Paul Bear. Yeah. Oh yeah, he passed away, didn't he? Yeah, rest Poor in peace, Paul Bear. He's a. Uh, yeah, come on in. Oh hey. Oh, uh, well, Tommy. Well, then Tommy, close the door. Tommy is interrupting, but close not interrupting. Close the door. Hold the door. Hold on. We've had a we've had a, a buffet of uh, between the bear to me guests strolling yeah. through here. We're midway between the stage and the bathroom, so we found the happen. most inconvenient place for everyone else. Yeah. But hey, what are you gonna do? If you wanted to be in here, you should should have been in here when we got here. Yeah, we're over here talking about looks. Talking about <laughs> dogs. So, Dusty, you have a beautiful pit bull named Panda who uh, caught my eye and. When we were down there doing the record, um, spent some time with you at your house and got to meet Panda, and I fell in love with her, and I said to you, bro, like, hey, this this family of breeders, if they get another dog, let me know. And then, like, a couple years later, you're like, hey, I got this boy here. I saw him on your Instagram. Samantha sees him. Next thing I know, we're driving down to Winston-Salem to get this sweet pooch. So yeah, man. tell he, me about your connection I with got, the pit bull. I got real, really close with, that, with him because uh, – my buddy Johnny is a he doesn't breed anymore but he he's responsible for every dog in my family essentially which is like four or five different pups and um they're all so great and full of personality and just just like little people so um when he when they had the litter the ear pup is from he just had several puppies and he was kind of a few of his friends that he trusted a lot and knew were, like, good dog owners, he would be like, hey, come pick this puppy up and just play with him for a few days. I need a break from all these dogs, you know? No problem. So I went and got I went and got the pig man, and um, he was just so great and so sweet, and, like, he'd sleep on top of my head every day, and everywhere <laughs> I went, he had to, like, follow me, and he was just a really good dog. I was like, it was killing me not to keep him, you know? Yeah. Um, Panda was looking at me like she was going to stab me, but <laughs> she uh, she eventually liked him, you know? Yeah. She was just being jealous at first, but uh, he was just so great. And when I when I took him back to my buddy and told him, you know, I couldn't keep him, it was brutal. Like, I was like, felt like I was just leaving my kid at the train station, you know? It sucked. But, <laughs> I couldn't imagine. But then, you know, yeah, I hit you up, told you told you about him, and you, you guys were immediately interested, and I think came down within a week or something, right? Yeah, we were down there, like, the next week, man. So and I just uh, went, and, I went back and got him. I was like, hell, I'm going to hang out with him until, he, <laughs> until he's gone. Yeah, it was great. We, we got up, we drove down 500 miles down to Winston and hung out with you, got some barbecue, picked him up, and turned around and went home. And uh, he's he's been a, a key part of the the, the family. Ever I'm glad since. you guys got him because he's he's living the life he deserves. 
Yeah, he's he's so spoiled right That's, now. He's, he gets on a kayak with you. Yeah, I've seen him do that. He goes on kayak trips. Mm. He's got dude. We just got him this orthopedic bed. That's like, it's like five feet. It's like a. It's almost like a twin size bed at the bottom of our bed. And he just it's amazing, dude. He just he loves it. He's a king. He eats steak. He's he gets you know. That's what he. That's what he deserves, man. He's yeah. a great guy. He's a great boy. And uh, you know, pit bulls are they're special uh, special breed of animals. So. A non pit bull, Blake. Um, tell us a little bit about Poodle. your superstar Poodle. dog Poodle. and and what Poodle. what she's been up to. Tell us about some of her featured appearances. We got uh, let's see. We got Ro- we had Teddy for a while. He was a little uh, little Yorkie, and he was he was a cute dog, but he just he was getting old, and he um, you know when he eventually passed, he was. We didn't think we were gonna get another dog, and then Kristen hit me up, and she saw an ad for this. Uh, from this adoption agency, this little poodle that looked like she looked like a little lamb because she was all skin and bone, and wow. she had been she had come from like a bad home. Like I think I think the people who had her were like it was like a hoarding situation going on. They had like multiple dogs, and I think when they found her, they thought she was originally a brown poodle because she was so dirty. Oh my goodness! And they put her in the bath, and they were like, "Oh, oh yeah, a white poodle. A white poodle. Yeah, yeah, sick." And uh, yeah, we went and go. We went to go do like a meet and greet with her, and she just she cuddled up to Kristen pretty quick. So it was kind of it was one of those like meant to be sort of things. Yeah. Um. And we had to. We think we don't know exactly how old she is. We think now she's probably between six and eight, something like somewhere around there. Um. And. Yeah, she had, oh, man, all of her teeth were rotted, so we had to get basically all of her teeth taken out because she oh. just doesn't, so she doesn't. It's fine now because her, like, gums have hardened up so she can, like, eat food and stuff like that. But she's, she's a great dog, man. Cutest dog in the world. Now, she's had some uh, high-profile media appearances. Can you oh, tell yeah, us about yeah. that? Oh, she was featured in the uh, Dogs of Winston-Salem book. Uh, she made the back cover. She unfortunately did not get enough votes in order to get the front cover, but I'm pretty sure that whole thing was probably rigged. Yeah, I would think somebody paid that off. Yeah, that was, somebody got paid off on that because that's that's horseshit. Um, she definitely she should have got that that front cover. Um, but yeah, no, she's she's awesome, man. Super quiet, like just plays when you want want her to play and then she just chills when you want her to i never thought i'd have a poodle yeah ever like i grew up with big dogs i would think you'd be a pit bull guy you'd be like me and dusty i mean i even thought of that yeah having that one day so he's no pit bull guy (laughs) i like i never ever thought i'd have a poodle but god dang they're awesome dogs man they're super smart yeah very very smart yeah yeah they're just aren't like, they like the like the smartest the smarter breed of dog. breeds yeah, yeah, yeah for sure yeah. i didn't know that going into it but yeah we, we learned that pretty much right away that's uh that's incredible to have not only the uncle of my my dog but also a dog who has appeared in the dogs of winston-salem oh yeah book this is like a star-studded dog big podcast. Deal. big a, fucking deal it's a big fucking deal here on the everyman <laughs> podcast um so uh, moving on here and 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 talking about the, the dogs obviously the uh that's one of the things that connects us at home um we just had andy mckee on the podcast and uh something i talked to him about along with guys like mike mangini and john petrucci on past episodes is how do you stay mentally healthy on the road because i think something that people don't really understand about touring and this is something i didn't understand until i did it is that it can be very emotionally uh difficult and it's it's difficult being away from your loved ones 
it's difficult like on a day like today where you show up at whatever time and then you have a whole day where you're where you're just kind of at your own disposal to uh find something to do here yeah Woo! Got a little bit of bass from the contortionist. Yeah. You feel that? Some noise down there. I like Some it. Some noise. <laughs> the boys with the bass. So, um, so yeah. How, how do you guys both stay mentally, you know, healthy, mentally positive? What are the things you guys do on a day to day, or maybe like you know, uh, just as part of your routine to stay where you want to be? I mean, none of us are like crazy people. You know what I mean? We don't. Uh, we're not like super partiers and shit like that so that kind of helps but um as of this tour everybody's working out all the time so yeah i can't believe it this is crazy uh, i guess we're just getting old um but it's been it's been cool everyone being you know in real physical and trying to eat better and um you know it's 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 pretty easy to feel kind of kind of off on when you're in a different place every day you know i've definitely gone through weird um times where you know my mind's been kind of off but i don't know i think it's comforting to me these guys suck they're terrible people but um no, i'm just kidding the contortionist yeah <laughs> no he means his own i'm band. talking about yeah, yeah. my own band i don't nah, know we, you, we, don't know we all have we all have like a really good i don't know we're like we're like family man it's like just well, it's like going on a trip with a bunch of your brothers you know what i mean it's just the same if you're ever feeling really fucked up about something, you know, you can just talk to somebody about it. Yeah, we're very fortunate in that we're in a band that we don't all hate each other. Cause we, I we hear t- that that's common. Toured, yeah, we toured with bands like that where that's a common thread, and I just think that's so bizarre. Like, I just don't know how that can... I can't last. Like, that's not a healthy relationship, but, you know, business or personal or otherwise. Like, it's kind of... That just won't last for long, so... It helps that we're all pretty level-headed dudes. We don't we don't go crazy every night. Um, so you got to kind of keep a baseline throughout the year. Like if you're if you're got your shit together generally in life, and then it and then you have a good support system on the road, you're able to kind of keep it all together. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and you know, most of the guys in the band are married, and you know, it's just there's there's not anything crazy. What you you may think that, like, you know, a lot of people may think touring is this crazy thing and it's like a party every fucking day, but we're really, really boring. We just sit around and we watch we watch TV. We like to have some snacks, maybe do a workout, mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm. see a movie sometime. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, in my in my time, you know, I, you, know. you guys always, always welcome me out when you're in town and I get to run around with the band for a day and it's always, you know, food and yeah, man. Uh, a lot of hanging out. Blake plays a lot of Fortnite. Yeah, we wanted to talk to you about that. How, are you still elite? Are you still? I'm, uh, you know, I dabble here from from time to time. Like, I if I have an off, if I have a little bit of random free time during the day, I'll play a little bit. But other than that, I'm doing. I'll do drum lessons when I can fit them in. Uh, I I'm, I make my little my little drum heads that I sell from from night to night. Those are beautiful. Uh, We're going to talk about that here. They're in a pretty. I mean, I'm pretty proud of them. I've come a long way. Um, They're very nice. Blake's being humble. Uh, he started. <laughs> he's he's a he's he's not only a talented drummer and uh, just all around beefcake, but he is a super talented artist and he designs these awesome drum heads with 
that feature the band as different different groups. And uh, sometimes it's the Avengers. Um, he did a great one of The Office where I think, Dusty, you were uh, Dwight, right? He made you Dwight? You were... I did one. Oh, oh, you were Kevin holding the, yeah, holding yeah, the, the yeah. chili. Dan was Dwight. Yeah, Dan, yeah, yeah. That kind of makes sense. I can yeah. see that. <laughs> I was Randy in the trailer part. Yeah. Yeah, the that trailer was, part. Was, was I love Mike's stomach in that one. Yeah, those were uh, a good one. Those were great. So so that kind of answers my question about, uh, you know, what you do keep keeping yourselves busy because I know Fortnite is your thing. And Dusty, I know you like to uh, get out with your camera a little bit and do some photography. Dude, I haven't done that in a while. Um I just, you know, to be honest, man, if I can go to, like, a lot of people hate the mall. I don't go to buy anything, but if I, like, feel kind of stressed and I have a bunch of time, I'll just go walk around a mall. Yeah? Just walk. That helps? Just being around, I don't know, just it smells nice, it's clean, Mm. get the fuck out of a dirty-ass venue for a minute. Yeah, you know, know? because that's the thing, you're living in the back of these, either, you know, you guys have a beautiful... Uh, band van bus but uh you know you're just in and out of these venues and they're not always uh it's not always as glitzy as people kind of have this idea you know so i could see finding a nice uh, mcdonald's to take a shit in sometimes is yeah yeah i mean <laughs> sometimes that's what it, that's what it, the doctor ordered ever dude ever since uber man uber kind of changed the game for touring because now we're not stuck oh not so you, technically like you stuck just anywhere drive, we yeah. Just, yeah we can just get an uber to wherever we need to go somewhere in town see some of the big sites in a, in a, good a co- like coffee shot like hunting for good like the best coffee place in town is yeah that's number one that's like a priority. daily thing is usually that's the first thing we do is find whatever good coffee paul usually out. finds it since he's the uh he's the specialist you know he's, he's the coffee sa- assassin yeah he's got his own coffee roasting company and is about to open his second location of queen city grounds his uh his shop in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is pretty cool. Second really shop. good coffee, really good food to be spawned from such a piece of shit guy. <laughs> it's amazing. Somebody somebody that defective was able to put out yeah. such a great product. Someone so unattractive it. and just just has no talent. Just, just all around just sucks. The just guy, all around a total the hand guy candle. sucks. <laughs> hand candle. <laughs> yeah, you guys really, I mean, you must be strong to... Uh, to be able to survive these these tough between the buried and me boys, don't know how you do it. They're all terrible. So I've got uh, one of the things I mentioned earlier is between the buried and me has some some really passionate fans, and because you guys have been around for so long, there is kind of like a generational split I would say between the fans, and you've kind of got the OG crew like myself that uh, that have that were kind of there for the for the initial run and stuck with it. But a lot of your fans, I think, are newer fans from, like, maybe Colors Onward. Yeah, I would say the majority of our fans are Colors On. Yeah, for sure. But there's still um, a strong contingent in the center there of really hardcore people from, from the early days. Yeah, there's there's a lot of... There's still people from that are like, hey, I've been listening since Silent Circus, you know. But I, but I think that uh, once people have become fans... They go backwards. Yeah. They just want to see, like, what it evolved from. And it's really, it is kind of, it's like if you start at the beginning of Between the Barrier to Me and you move forward, it's one experience. And if you do the opposite, it's completely different. Um, and it, it just really shows how different you guys are now. And how, how do you guys balance um, the needs of, like, your own 
creative desires to keep moving forward, play the stuff that you want to play. But there's also people in the crowd that want to hear, you know, this song or that song um, that maybe you guys don't want to play. How do you how do you balance that and what do you find is the best way to, to kind of make everyone happy like make the band happy and then keep everyone in the audience happy well you know like alaska is pretty much as far back as we usually go for throwing a set list together just because people on the internet say that they want to hear that shit but when you play it there's only like perfect example our colors anniversary tour Mordecai was the encore and Paul would joke around and be like alright about to play a new song we'd go into Mordecai and a lot of there was a lot of people that thought it was a new song they didn't know that song was from like 2002 or 3 whatever the hell that was you uh-huh. know they just don't like you know I think I think it's just with any band when people are constantly asking for first record, second record shit, it's an it's a it's an attachment like a it's nostalgia. Yeah. Only. It's not like you prefer a one-dimensional product to this fucking 4K shit you have now, you know, even production-wise, like right. it's so much just you know, it's like the they old wanna, stuff was like one thing, and now the new stuff is that one thing plus all this other shit. And, and I think people, like you said, like I was mentioning earlier, you know, I attach certain memories to that first time I saw you guys at the Unitarian Church, and I think people, you know, maybe the first time they felt up a girl was in a basement and Selkies was playing, and like that's that's like their their thing. Chicks. Yes. Be, everyone knows, I, I, and for our listeners. Between the Buried and Me has one of the largest female audiences um, in all <laughs> of, in all of music yeah, and uh, in right. all of progressive music. So it's, uh, when, usually, when you think Between the Buried and Me, I think chicks. I don't think progressive music has a female audience. Period. <laughs> well, I mean, there's very few. You know, very few. I got yeah. I got very lucky and met and met Samantha at a show. Obviously, well, I was. I'm like. I think I'm the only. We're the only couple that was ever. It's been Birth it's been expanding though over the years. I've noticed it over there's, the years. Like I've seen I've yeah. seen more more uh, more females at the shows. Um, it used to be the only ones that were there were the ones that were dragged there by their boyfriends, uh, but now it's like there's yeah it's it's like a it's starting to be a healthier mix now. It's growing. It's crazy, yeah. But but to get to that to that point about like you're saying with Alaskan stuff is that I think there are people that have associated memories like you're saying with the nostalgia, and they want to go back to that period and just experience that but like you're saying i mean i was at those cut that colors show and i I noticed the same thing where it's like yeah me and out of the group i was there with like maybe 10 of my friends three of us had been to that show and we're still with the band so i think that's probably like reflective of how many people are really like oh sick they're gonna do something from silent circus tonight like might be a handful of people and you can't always uh look back and and i think I think the thing is also people maybe this is speaking from myself here. I think if people's favorites, if if it's my favorite song as a fan, and then I feel like the band that I love doesn't like playing it, like I could see taking that personally, 
you know so i think that also increases that idea of like oh when are they going to play this when are they going to play this because as we're going to get to here now i i put out the the uh the call to your fans on on your reddit on on uh, our between the barrier to me on uh, reddit.com to ask what did people want to know and it's interesting because i got a lot of great questions but a lot of them are are kind of along the lines of like when are you going to play x and when are we going to do this tour again? When are we going to do this tour again? There's a lot of people looking back, and not, and that might just be a vocal minority on, on the internet, you know, because every time I go see your shows, there's still a lot of people that are having a great time. Um, so with that being said, let's let's uh, we got some questions here from Reddit. So it's a good one for both of you now. And I I don't know if you guys get on Reddit a lot, but one of my favorite things is the uh, the the usernames are always pretty colorful. Oh yeah 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 they're great. So I just want to let you know these. All of these usernames are 100% real. That's awesome. Okay. I believe it, too. I, I go to Reddit every day, so ah, I good. know what's up. Perfect. So maybe maybe uh, you hear that, guys? Maybe, I'm a Redditor, dude. Maybe Blake's in there lurking. So you I'm guys, working hard. I see everything. He sees everything, so you better watch those memes rating albums because <laughs> he sees them. Okay, so Hemotheus wants to know, and this is a good one for both of you guys, is Glass Casket still a thing? Yeah. Yeah, it's still a thing. It'll never not be a thing. It's just, uh, it's not active, but it, but then again, it is like, we're always kind of like coming up writing stuff on the side for it. So is there anything you guys have been working on that you can talk about? I mean, we, mm, at some point, at some point we've been saying it, but you will hear music, but you know, it's a special thing that is very important to a lot of people me and Blake the most and uh, you know we're not just going to release some half-ass shit just to a- cash after in. what we haven't played a show in nine years you know what I mean and we haven't released a record in 13 years so we're not going to just put out some shit for the sake of uh just to like make three random kids on the internet happy you know what I mean yeah like it'll be on our time when it's when we're like really proud of what of what we've come up with you know and production wise and all that stuff like it's just it's it's a very special thing that we just don't we can't allow it not to be special and, and just put out some bullshit you know what I mean it's got to be like, it's got to be all or nothing. So it's taking a while, but everything good is worth waiting for, right? Absolutely. That's, and I'm glad you put it like that. So, so guys on Reddit, fans out there, sit tight. And when it comes, there's a lot of music out right now. There's a lot of stuff out right now. There's a, there's a million bands. You know, it's just not the right time. Yep. You know what I mean? It's well, a special thing to us, and it's got to be a special time. And I can tell you from the questions, there was a lot of people individually asking when, what's up with Glass Casket. So I, I think it's, I think it, you guys will be surprised to find out that it's more than just uh, you know a couple, a couple people. I would say there's probably more people asking about Glass Casket than there are asking about Selkies. And we get it a lot. I get it pretty. I much hear it every day. day. Yeah. yeah, I, I hear it, it every day. Much a lot on every continent. Yeah. We're on. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's weird to hear that in Europe. Um, 
But like I said, man, that thing, it's, it's nostalgic. And people, like, attach feelings to that. When you hear that, it yeah. takes you back to a certain time. And, you know, maybe... Does it take you guys back to a certain time when you hear it? Yeah. But I also wonder how the fuck we would play some of that first record stuff live because it's just we were 16 <laughs> now we're like yeah no 34 yeah. years old and it's like would this be fun anymore yeah yeah it, it's so easy you know but it doesn't yeah it, just, it doesn't hurt to write stuff and put stuff out like we're uh, like tommy me and tommy were having this convo the other day about it's like there's no point in a band really breaking up anymore you can just the way you can write now writing has become so easy even if members live all over the place oh yeah well you guys are a great example of that yeah it's like we we're still you're capable of putting out material yeah you might not tour on it as much but i mean i just don't see the point in like not not writing yeah why not that's awesome it's like it's, it's harmless um that's a great. Those are great answers, and makes me very hopeful for for the future. Um, a question, actually, from our live studio audience of one here. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Samantha, my girlfriend, uh, is also organically a, a legitimate between the buried and me fan. Um, one of she represents one of the point one percent of your female audience that they they talk about on Spotify. Um, and Samantha wanted to say that you guys always have a great lighting uh, experience at your shows. And her, her particular favorite was the Parallax, where you guys had the whole planetary business going on. Yeah. Uh, which I, I agree was pretty sick. Um, what has been your favorite lighting setup that you had on tour? I, I, obviously, I sat in on your sound check. We, we got to see what you're doing now, which is, which is uh, very cool, an evolution of that backlighting kind of, kind of idea. Yeah. What's we, been your favorite uh, thing? This one's cool. And then I think uh, the... When we did Coma Ecliptic, that was a good one. That's the one where you had the big halo. Yeah, we had these big, um, they're like naval um, spotlights or whatever, and they were they were kind of set in the background, but they looked they looked really cool. Like that was that was probably one of our. They were from like the war, right? I think they were like they were old, dude, and like the lamps on them were like super old, but they looked cool. They were like that was probably one of. You could feel them halfway through the crowd. Yeah, yeah, hot as shit. Yeah, it was nuts, dude. Like they're pretty cool, but. Yeah, that's like uh, that one and the one that we're we're currently on. But we try to change it every tour. We don't want it to be the same. Yeah, you guys always keep time. it fresh, especially yeah. with this. Not only set list, but you know the bands that you bring out and also yeah. the way it looks. Um, Obfuscation fifty five seventy seven. What's the most technically difficult song for you guys to play? You guys can both answer that accordingly. Uh, Obfuscation is a burner on guitar. One of my favorites. Um. I mean, um, if we're talking about ones that we they, that we have like in our set, I mean, Foamborn is kind of a burner, dude. Yeah, that Foamborn, like, that Foamborn like B physically, is, a, is a burner. Pretty good. That's a lot going on. Uh, Ectopic Stroll, no, not Ectopic. Uh, Extremophile Elite's got some yeah, parts in it that, that are pretty pretty wacky. Um, yeah, there's some like polyrhythmic parts in there that are that kind of trip me up. Um, yeah, those are probably the two big ones. Kill a Beast wants to know what is your guys' favorite prog metal albums. I don't know that I have one. Anything you can think of that's been interesting the last couple of years that you enjoyed? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I love the shit out of Opeth. 
Um, I like I like all their stuff. Uh, Obviously, the contortionists who are we're lucky enough to be uh, yeah, I love here contorts. right now. Yeah, yeah, I love the contorts, dudes. Not I right love, now, I but uh, <laughs> the torts. <laughs> uh, man, as far as like all time stuff, I can't answer that. I don't have like a number one. I mean, obviously, like Opet's put out some incredible stuff. I like Dream Theater. I like. I'm talking about as far as recent stuff, though. Yeah, recent stuff. Uh, did you guys, did you guys get into that new uh, Devin Townsend record? Oh, oh yeah, Empath's awesome. great. It's fucking insane, right? Yeah. How awesome. about that drumming on there, man? Incredible, dude. You know yeah. that he got that guy from YouTube, that uh, yeah, sandwich. Yeah, dude, that guy is incredible, Woo. man. Like, Unbelievable. It's, it really is unbelievable. Like, it's not... I don't understand how he's. I don't know how he's to do that. how they're going to do it live. I can't wait to find out. The only thing I can think of is that if he gets two drummers, and which does he like could a totally dual, do, which he could totally do, but he could do like one guy who's like straight up metal who can do that stuff, and then um, you know more of a guy that's got more of a jazzy feel. The only guy that I could think of that could, like Alex Rudinger, is is super fast. And I think he could get to that point. But, dude, there's some stuff on that record that's so that I'm pretty sure only that guy can do. Like, you know who I'd love to see um, is uh, I'd love to see Mangini play in that. Yeah, he could probably Mangini do it. Mangini could do it. I bet and, he could. And, you know, I thought that first, um, well, first of all, he's got Chad Kroger from Nickelback doing Lowe's. He's doing like death metal lows on that one song. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and there's a blast beat on there that I thought was just production, where it it's like and then he goes into a full on like like thirty second no blast. I thought that was all production. That dude has a ute. He he does a playthrough of it. A playthrough of it doing it in real time. I've never seen anything like that. Dude, it's dude. He posts some awesome videos. He posts this one that I watch all the time of him playing. Blast beats to Elton John. Oh yeah, and it's yeah. so good. It's yeah. like it's so hilarious, man. There's some um, really talented players out here. And, you know, I was yeah. just talking to Andy McKee about this. You know, it's like you guys, you guys spend months or years putting together a piece of music, and then it gets out, and then within a week, there's a 14 year old in South Korea or wherever playing it just as good as you. Yeah, oh, or yeah. better. Usually yeah, better. For sure. uh, like they'll they'll be they'll be like. Before, yeah, right when we put the record out, there'll be kids that know songs that I don't even know how to play yet. Like, because there'll be situations where a lot of times we'll, we're, when we record a record, we haven't rehearsed those songs as a band yet or even as a whole. So I'll see, like, covers of songs that I'm on, but I don't even know how to play them. Wow. But they know how to play them. So That's technically, they were the first. They beat me to my own song. It's trippy. There was a cool story from Reddit, actually. The Dream Theater subreddit, last, I guess their last album, they had put out like a behind-the-scenes video where just by accident, somebody got a picture in the video of Jordan Rudess's iPad up on the screen, and it had the notation for the song that they were working on in the studio, and it hadn't been out yet. So somebody Oh jeez, they like notated it out and like So somebody <laughs> took a screenshot of it and then redid it and then like played it <laughs> and put out a video of it and like it was like a good like a minute and a half of a part of the astonishing that was out 
a year, that's like, hilarious, like a year dude. before Man, it that... came out and everybody was trying to figure out what it was supposed to sound like so there are all these variations of it and then next thing you know there's like there's this guy's doing his version of this interpretation and like a couple of them were pretty close to what it ended really? up being yeah. but it just goes to show you like there's some super talented really oh, smart yeah. savvy people out there that 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 are just yeah we're we're in the youtube era man like kids now it's to the point where it's like musicians are just going to get better and better and more freakish cuz they just have the an endless supply of influences well, how, how much to drop. quicker they can they can oh, dude! Yeah, something. you're looking up like there's four year old kids who can shred the drum kit, and it's like, that's not. It's it's to the point now where that's not even shocking to me anymore. No, like I'm just kind of I'm immune to it. I'm just like, yeah, he's like this little toddler. Yeah, why wouldn't he? Can, yeah, just, I know it's almost sure. like you expect it. I'm kind of like, surprised this, you know, that that this kid can't. Yeah, <laughs> it's you like we mean you can't play eruption. I know, dude. It's so weird. Like you've become immune to it now, like that. Oh God, it's weird, but yeah, that's just that's how it is, man. It's part of it's part of the business here now. Yeah, so, man. so Blake, I got I got a I got a question here for you. Uh, just a chemist wants to know why does Dusty always look pissed when he shreds? That's a good question. That's a really good question. Why, why is do, that for Blake? Well, because I want to I I want to see what what Blake thinks. He's pissed. He's got, and then I want to find out why you're actually. Well, Dusty kind of has resting dick face, so it's kind of like I think it's just an intensity thing. I think it's resting dick face. Well, me, me and my sister and my dad all have it. We yeah. people are like, "What's wrong?" We're like, "You mind if I live my life?" Or, <laughs> is that okay? Woo! <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's what it is. That's, yeah, that's we're it. all goofballs, like totally. But when we're in the middle of performing, we're taking it very seriously. Oh yeah, and, and you know, some of the shit's really hard to play. So, you know. Um, a lot of focus required. Yeah. And, you know, I can't, because of my back injury, I, I don't, like, headbang to the floor anymore. So if I'm, like, really yeah, feeling that's your expression. Part, yeah, I'm going to, like, face you. You're just going to feel my intensity through my look rather than me. Physically moving. Yeah, like fucking jumping off the walls and yeah. shit. You know what I mean? No no uh, scissor kicks or anything like that anymore. Yeah, like if I'm just like sitting there in my zone and I'm riffing, I'm probably going to look like an asshole, but, you know. We got another guest here in the Everyman Lounge. Come Uh-oh. in. You guys sounded great. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, no, hey, no, it sounds for, good. Thanks for popping in. It's good ambiance, dude. Hey, if you want to take a microphone into the bathroom with you. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no worries. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Kyrgyzstan wanted to know what your favorite band to tour with, and I, I, I'm going to answer. It's probably not the Contortionist. It's definitely not the Contortionist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wait till, yeah. For you listeners at home, Mike, Mike is just, he's running in and out of the room right now. He's a good sweet yep. guy. They're they're good. Mike the contortionist. Now we love them. They're or they're they're wonderful gentlemen. They're great. Um, animals. Animals. Great. Plenty. We just did our first tour with uh, Plenty a couple months or a few months back. Yeah. We love those guys. Fucking great guys. The God. dingoes. Oh man, yeah. they're great. Good dingoes. Yeah. Good dudes. Um, who else? Who else is good to tour with? We. I mean, we always had fun touring when like. When Devin had his normal lineup, we, uh, yeah, Devin several Devin's times. A fun time, yeah. Devin's Love Leprous, cool. 
Lepers, love that band. Yeah. Lepers is one of so that's one of my favorite bands that I've I've uh, discovered coming to see you guys is Lepers. Uh, they we were hooked on that record for yeah. for a good while. Do yeah, we bonded? Like yeah, we bonded with those dudes pretty much instantly. Yeah, immediately. Like on that on that Devon tour, they're great. I'm glad to see they're doing well. They're very talented. Yeah. And it's very unique too. It's cool to see, yeah. like, yeah, they're very unique. They're not very. They're not run in the middle. They're not, and they're not. They're definitely their own sound. It's well, cool. I think in a way, a parallel could be made. Like between the barrier to me is kind of like what Joe Rogan is to podcasts, where you guys are so you have such a wide base of your fans that when you guys bring a band out with you, more people go back out into the world knowing about Leprous or. I mean, even early on, like with Devin Townsend, nobody knew really about that. And it was like he was out on the road with you guys a That's lot. A good. That's a good and analogy. That, and that blew up. I mean, Contortionist is a great example. Not only that, but like they start working with Jamie King mm-hmm. and then that starts to evolve their sound and pushes them into a new, completely unbelievable realm of creativity and, and originality in the progressive space. And I mean, you know, like I think there's a real interesting connection there with you guys kind of bringing um bringing people along for the ride is that is that something intentional you guys try to do like bring somebody out that that impresses you or is that just natural um yeah we like we've done yeah i mean we've always always been pretty picky about the bands that we take out but we always we just got a good feel for that sort of stuff we want we want someone that's like not that's in our realm but not you know copycats or anything like we took animals as leaders out on their first tour ever. And that's just like a, that just goes along with the examples you were given. Like, it's just kind of, we'd like to try to not only expand our, I guess, I guess, uh, not discography of, of, well, yeah, expand our like discography of bands that we've toured with, but also kind of give access to those bands, to um, to the fans as well. That's kind of a thing. I mean, I know I took my parents, my, I brought my parents to a Between the Bear to Me show once at the Starland Ballroom, and uh, it was the first time my dad saw Animals as Leaders, and now he listens to them. They're on his Spotify. Yeah. Dude, yeah. I know. It's freaky. <laughs> that's how <laughs> that's it happens, just, man. It's, it's crazy. It's nuts. Um, last couple questions here for you guys. Uh, I know you guys got to get ready for your performance tonight at Reverb in Reading. Um, so, Reelamon... Uh, wants to know about your writing process, and uh, do you guys come up with riffs or melodies first, and then set the time signature signatures later, or do you guys sit around living your life uh, around a metronome, and, <laughs> then, and then try to develop rhythm and, and it's sound a lot more that? boring than uh, everyone thinks. We get this kind of question a lot, but we just there's no real science to it. We just all write shit. We get together and put it together. It's literally that simple. Yep. And as far as like an individual goes, we don't write things to a specific time. Like, like most things that you hear that have a five, a seven, or a nine in it, uh, Dan probably had his hands on at some point. But he doesn't sit there and say, "Okay, I want to write a riff that's in five four. Right. He just writes, and then we do the notation and everything afterwards. And like, he just writes what. Comes to his head, down. and then and it goes, and that goes along with everyone else, and then and then he's like, oh, okay, yeah, I could subdivide this. I guess this is like a five four 
with like a three eight tail at the end of it or something like that, and that's the phrase. Like Paul does that too. Like he doesn't think of things necessarily in specific times. He just thinks of things in like phrases. Like this riff goes like this, blah 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 blah, and then you'll have you know this little tail at the end of it, and then you'll kind of go halfway through that riff, and then that's the whole phrase, and then you can go back again. So yeah, we don't sit around like yeah huddled around a there's a lot less thought into it well you know i think the reason you guys get that question a lot is because what you guys do is so unique and original and it's obviously so good that people that have the the language of music are trying to figure out what it is that you're doing to to get that end result and you guys are kind of from a, a place where it's like listen we're just doing what we do and if these kind of structures of progressive music or whatever explain it that's great good for you but i know just from knowing you guys that you weren't really you're not really that's you're not like how can i make the most odd metered thing but when you go on reddit or something there's a lot of a lot of really passionate musicians out there that are like they think about things in in context of like well is this a what odd meter is this and is this cool because it's in seven or whatever Mm -hmm. um but i think you can overthink yeah a lot of stuff and like we it's do, and I think what adds, what makes it unique is that we have like multiple ears that are involved in a certain, the composing of a certain part or a certain phrase. So like we all kind of think of things differently. So Dan will think of a riff in a certain way and then he'll, and then I'll think of it in a completely kind of different timing format. And then, and then that just creates like, creative inspiration from there like he'll say oh i didn't think of it that way and I'm like, well if you play it like that then you can do this kind of little polymetric thing over it and then you can kind of build on that and blah 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 so it's it's cool it's like a combination of of um you know eclectic influences on certain parts like it's kind of it, when you let people when you let multiple brains in on one construct like one sort of section or riff or something like that when you let multiple people contribute to that you could it affords you you know that that many more opportunities to expand on that right instead of just locking it down and being like okay this yeah, is yeah this what, is how it goes yeah. and it's like blah 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 yeah like in like in that scene in uh rockstar when he's like oh, so i wrote the song yeah <laughs> i wrote this song it's fucking song when right? i wrote the song it was perfect why don't you sing it like that mate Play you. you can't <laughs> Well, oh, it's, my, it's my scarf. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, Streeball, this is a, just kind of a comment towards Blake. Um, tell Blake I really appreciate the artwork that Blake Tight. does on the Tom Heads. They are hilarious. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, thank you for that. Where, and where'd You're you welcome. get that idea to, to kind of start doodling? Well, I always, I've been doodling on heads forever, and then I just kind of took it to the next level. Because we, we always had time to kill, and I was like... I want to see how crazy I can get with these things. So I started, you know, I I purchased a set of paint markers and kind of went from there. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm still learning as I go along. I'm I'm getting I'm getting better and better with each with each head. But uh, yeah, it's fun. I've been doing commissions, uh, which is pretty crazy. The talented Andy is here. Yeah. Andy, uh, he's our, he's the tech for between the Barry and me keeps the guitars uh, uh, keeps the guitars all steamy and and sexy. <laughs> Thank you for your hard work today, Andy. Now get out. I <laughs> love you too, buddy. But yeah. So you're doing commissioned work. I've been now. doing commission stuff, yeah. Really? That's it's interesting. fun. Might have to forward a forward a request for a piece over. Do it, uh, dude. I've got involving myself. 
a large bucket of ice and a water buffalo. I like it. I like it already. Perfect. I'll get the ball rolling. You should just have him do one of you riding Rody. Oh, yeah, like a fucking... Oh, like yeah. Yeah, like a giant stallion. Yeah, it'd be awesome. It'd be Man, perfect. Bear pig. Uh, yeah. I could do that. Make me real hairy, too. <laughs> um, so, uh, f- before I get to this last this last little thing here, I just want to say from myself, uh, you know, uh, it's been great uh, hanging with you guys today. Thank you so much for finally getting on the pod. I'm glad we were able to make this happen, especially in person. Yeah. And uh, it's been it's been wonderful. And thank you for sharing all this cool this cool stuff with our audience. I know certainly uh, everyone will will be uh, appreciative of the insight and a look behind the curtain of, of what kind of goes on in between the Barry and Me's world. So yeah. from from the bottom of the everyman, uh, and of course for Daryl who couldn't be here today, we thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Daryl. Hey Daryl, we love you, bro. See you at another time, bastard. <laughs> so this this right here, uh, this in one little sentence kind of perfectly encapsulates the internet. Um, so, lick my asshole. Okay. Wanted to let you guys know the following. Quote: We are all very thankful for the job that they've done so far, and if they quit tomorrow, we'd be fine because they deserve whatever they want and we already got an incredibly expansive discography to munch on for years to come. Also, will there be a Parallax 10th anniversary tour? Ooh. Um, thank you for your kind words. Lick my, was it lick my asshole? Lick my, lick my asshole, kind of like asshole. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I see what he's saying. I see what he did there. Um, but, uh, but uh, in regards to the Parallax 2 reunion, that's anniversary. not... Anniversary. Yeah, 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 anniversary to it. Yep. That's not... Tenth anniversary. In, that's not uh, entirely out of the question. So really? I can neither confirm nor deny nor confirm nor deny nor confirm. Uh, but yeah, no, I don't I don't know. We, uh, I think it would be cool to I do. I think so. I think it'd be fun. And I think the other thing is we've gotten a couple cool pieces of news here today. One, um, glass casket's still a thing and sit tight. It's, yeah. It's coming. Yeah. And it, if I know anything about Dusty, when he says it's coming, it's coming. It's going to Wow. 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 What was the other thing? The other breaking news is that, uh, yeah, maybe a Parallax 10th anniversary tour. Hey, when does this go live? Uh, this will be on um, Wednesday. Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern. They're not live right now, obviously. So, you want another little tidbit? You got some breaking news? You want another? You want something else? Give us the official breaking news on the Everyman We're doing, Podcast. This is, on, this is going live on Wednesday? Yeah. Yes. We're doing a co-headlining tour with the almighty Chon. What? In November and December with uh, intervals. They they announced the Wiltern show and the people went fucking yeah, nuts. I saw that. I thought yeah. it was a one off. No, yeah. it's an actual. It's tour. gonna be a, it's gonna be a tour. I'm making a tour out of it. Yeah. Wow. It's should a major be, market should, tour, should so it it'll, it'll be a good time. It'll be all the the good cities. You know, be good. It'd be, it's, it's a long be tour. It's like seven weeks too. So it'll, fantastic. Yeah. Well, it'll thank be you. Killer. A lot thank of notes. A lot of buttholes. A lot of beard hair. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Dumps. <laughs> well, th- thank you for the for the breaking news, yeah. and uh, that'll be out there shortly this week. And uh, again, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Have a great show tonight. Thank you very Thanks. much. Thanks, yeah, I'll dog. take it easy. <laughs>